Welcome to Detoxing from the Matrix podcast, formerly known as Sobriety, where we talk all things awakening, ascension, consciousness, and the recovery of self, soul, and spirit from being strung out on the greatest drug of all, the external matrix. This podcast is a place for illuminating conversations that will take you from divided to divine, pain into purpose and suffering to sovereignty while we detox the fuck out of your mind body and soul from all those limited programs of separation struggle scarcity and pain i'm your host lindsay caricardi and this podcast is for all the rebel souls who seek to live deeply authentically and fully expressed as the divine badasses you are note this episode was originally recorded when it was Sobriety Podcast and has been added here to detoxing from the matrix due to copyright issues on the name Sobriety. I have no affiliation with the trademark Sobriety brand or method. Hello again, divine badasses. It's Lindsay here, your fellow seeker of truth. And I'm a new thought spiritual practitioner, spiritual psychology coach, a new thought minister in training and teacher speaker and published author. And I say welcome to another divine download of Soul Variety Podcast, where on today's episode, we are talking about the biblical roots of addiction, codependency, and self-rejection. Oh yeah, that's right. We are breaking down the genesis of these things called addiction and codependency. We are going to look at Biblical teachings, biblical scripture, if you will, from a whole new lens. So I invite you to stay with me, sit back, grab a cup of coffee or a cup of tea, and get ready to expand your consciousness because we are going there. Okay. You're never going to look at the Bible in the same way after this conversation. And if upon hearing, the word Bible, you said, I can't believe she's going there. I don't want to hear this crap. And you started to shut down. Well, then I especially invite you to listen to this because there is going to be some good fucking soul medicine for you in this divine download. And if you are someone who thinks that you know the Bible and you sort of have an interpretation of it that you have kind of stuck with all your life and you feel like, well, I don't need to hear this because I already know, I invite you to listen anyway, because there is always something new to be heard. Okay. This is one of my favorite conversations. This is one of my favorite things to share. And this is just my unique expression, my unique perspective on what the hell is going down in the Bible. Now, I want to say before I get into this, that I was one of those people. I was one of those people who was like, oh, the Bible, fuck the Bible. It just contradicts itself. Oh, the Bible, like it's so full of crap and it doesn't even make sense. And look, they're over there and there's like pillaging and wars and rape and death. And, and then they want to go over here and tell me how to live my life. Blah, 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 blah. Hypocrites, right? I did all the things. I told myself all the stories. I judged, I judged, I judged because I didn't understand it. Right. When I tried to read it literally, it didn't, it, it felt contradictory. So I rejected it. I didn't understand it and I wanted nothing to do with it. And I also really wasn't a fan of organized religion. So that 
added to it too, which led me where I am today, you know, as a new thought spiritual practitioner and a student of the science of mind and a student of ministry and on my way to becoming a doctor of divinity. Guess what, you guys? I had to come back to the Bible. And from a metaphysical and esoteric perspective, I love it. So I want to pass some of that on to you because there very, very, very much is some beautiful, beautiful, beautiful hidden mystery and meaning in the Bible. And it is written so brilliantly because you're going to read it from wherever your consciousness is at. So let's talk about what that looks like today. Okay, you guys, this is going to be fun. So like life, the Bible is a mirror. And today I would like to pose a question to each one of you to consider, and then a conversation to back it up. Today, I would like to ask that, is it possible that the roots of codependency and addiction are actually found in the Bible? Is it possible? What do you think? And my answer to that question, which I'm going to illustrate in today's episode of sobriety, is this, that like life, it depends in how you look at it. <laughs> so the first lens that we're going to look at the Bible through, and this is the lens that so many people are taught to perceive and read and look at the Bible through. And that is the literal lens, the literal perspective. Okay. So we're focusing specifically on Adam and Eve today. And if you guys love this episode, then we can totally do more sections of the Bible in the future. So reach out and let me know if you love this and I will do different, um, different parts of the Bible from this metaphysical lens. So when we look at the story of Adam and Eve, we are told, and if any of you guys were good little Catholic girls growing up and you went to CCD and major catechism, right? We were all told that they were created by God, right? Adam was created from the dust and the breath of spirit and Eve from Adam's rib. So in the literal view of this story, we hear first that Adam and Eve disobeyed God in like record time, right? They were in the garden of Eden for all of like what five minutes and they disobeyed God when they ate from the one tree God told them not to eat from. You guys all know the story, right? Eat from, you can eat everything in the garden, but don't eat from this one tree of knowledge of good and evil, right? Because then you will be like me and you will surely die. He says to them. So in record time, they're eating from the tree. They're not supposed to eat from, and then they also go on to take no responsibility for their choices, right? God comes down, Adam, Eve, where are you? Hello, where'd you guys go? Why are you hiding, right? And immediately Adam blames Eve. Eve blames the serpent, serpent and God punishes them all. So from this literal lens, they're basically telling us that Adam and Eve were created they sinned, they were condemned and kicked out of paradise for disobedience, which then brings us to the human condition of blame and shame. You guys feel it? And my question for you here is, have you ever found yourself doing something in life that you knew wasn't quote unquote right or what you truly wanted to be doing and yet you did it anyways, going against what you really wanted to be doing and yet you did it anyways? Like maybe that time you were a kid and you really wanted that toy that wasn't yours and you took it. Maybe it was your sisters or brothers, but then you lied about it. Maybe it was that piece of candy. Maybe it was that treat, whatever it might be. Right. And then lied about it. I mean, I remember when I was really strung out in addiction and I was stealing to support my habit, 
And I loved to say that I didn't have a choice, but that was bullshit. There was always a choice. And I chose over and over and over again to sacrifice my desire to fight rightly for my greater desire to numb the pain. Right? I just chose over and over and over again my desire to numb the pain. So it became a self-fulfilling prophecy. Right? So just like Adam and Eve, they eat the fruit, they quote-unquote die, meaning they descended into polarity of knowing good and evil, dark and light, suffering, pain and joy. Where now they begin to know, again, pain and separation, shame and turmoil. So if we look at Adam and Eve in the literal sense of the story, this would tell us that blame, shame and punishment is all we are destined for. I mean, do you believe that? I don't believe that. (laughs) Enmity, toiling, struggle and pain, especially if you're a woman. Right. Okay. Is this really what the Bible's about? So I don't really believe that that's what God intended for us. Do you? I mean, that's this again, coming back to my own rejection of the Bible. This is part of why I rejected the Bible when I heard it from that literal viewpoint, when I heard the literal minds and the condemning priests of my childhood who would deliver these literal interpretations of the Bible to the hungry minds in their Roman Catholic congregation, right? I I don't know how my grandmother as a staunch Catholic didn't subscribe to that like divisive, all punishing God view, but she never did. She always had her own interpretation, which was beautiful. So think back then, I always inherently knew that the literal interpretation was limited. And so I'm sure that some of you raise your hand, say yes, (laughs) and that you know that that resonates for you too. Because that's what's going to bring us to my next lens of interpretation, the metaphor. So lens number two is our metaphor. And we all know that hindsight's 20-20. Have you ever found yourself doing something and having no idea why you did it? But then in hindsight, as the dots connected, you were like, oh, I totally get why I did that. I totally get why it had to happen that way. Again, I remember a time when I made a left turn on our route that I used to drive to work, right? I would usually go straight. There I was at the traffic light and something in me is like, turn left. Let's take that route today. And I went, right? I think I was probably smoking a cigarette, listening to music. This was way back when I worked at restaurants and I just went the way that I had the nudge and I mindlessly followed it. And I got to my shift in perfect time, right? So as I'm pulling into a parking lot, And I get going to work. And later on, I found out that there was a huge accident on the route that I usually would take, right? So where I turned off, if you had gone straight, there was a huge accident that was happening. And I totally would have either been caught in the accident or behind the accident if I hadn't listened to my little nudge, right? I didn't understand why I decided to take the left route that day, but I did. I mean, have you guys ever had anything like that happen where it's like this random little nudge? And then later on, you're like, oh, awesome. See, it's all connected. And I've also had it happen the other way where I didn't listen to that nudge and I ended up, oh, you know, stuck in traffic, pulled over and various other snafus that made me kind of say, damn, I should have listened to that nudge. (laughs) And I'm sure some of you can relate. So my point here is this, that there is a power in our subconscious self. There is a power in our intuitive nudges. There is an empower in our higher knowing. And you can call it whatever you want but that power is there that keeps things in order for us when we get out of the way. So what if we looked at Adam and Eve through the lens of metaphor, where Adam represents the conscious self, 
the you that decides. Eve, the feminine, represents the subconscious self, that deep womb that creates. We know that in metaphysics, these two aspects of self are often identified symbolically via masculine principle and feminine principle, but it's still all the one thing. We also know that the subconscious or subjective mind, which is viewed as the feminine principle, governs up to 98% of your behaviors and choices. So what would that mean if we viewed Eve as a subjective mind guiding Adam, the conscious mind, into eating the fruit? Was it sabotage or was it divine unfoldment? Again, it all depends on how you look at it. So where are you at? Are you beginning to consider that these stories are something more than a literal and factual sharing of actual events? What does that bring up for you? And why? Because the kicker is this, that how you choose to see what is unfolding for you in your life is what shapes it. It's not the events themselves. Imagine if Adam and Eve had thrown themselves onto the ground in defeat and sorrow. Where would we be today? Right? Especially if they literally created humanity. <laughs> right? If they had just prostrated themselves in self-condemnation and punishment and beating themselves up, would they have been fruitful and populated the earth? Right? Where would we be all if they the point is they did it, right? They accepted their fates and they went on to perpetuate the creative process and the divine unfoldment that we as humans are still experiencing right now, because there is only right now. Every moment we are living is our own personal genesis. Every moment you are living is your own personal genesis. Every moment I am living is my own personal genesis. Our own personal choice of eating the fruit of knowledge or not. Either way, you, I, all of us are creating as powerfully as Adam and Eve did. It doesn't matter if this means physically or in consciousness. It's all the same thing, right? When you can begin to see the story and the Bible as a whole, as a giant metaphor layered with symbolism, you can begin to see and understand how you are creating. Because think about it like this, right? If the dogmatic view of women that many of us were taught was factual from the Bible and also God's will, then why over and over again in the Bible stories are women, women holding so much power? Why are the men so easily moved by the women? Perhaps it's because that women are nothing more than metaphors for the subconscious mind, which in life moves us in 98% of our daily actions, choices, and identities. And the men are metaphors for the conscious self that is driven by the subconscious mind. I mean, perhaps the men of the dogmatic translations of the Bible, because we know it was men back then, you know, 1,200 years ago, 1,800 years ago, the Bible was written like 300 or 500 AD, right? <laughs> 1,700 years ago. So they probably couldn't reconcile that the power women, a.k.a. the subconscious mind, seemed to hold, and they didn't yet have the consciousness to understand it. So they sought instead to make actual women, women subservient to a patriarchal consciousness and rule, which is the direct manifestation of a self disconnected from God who feels powerless. And so the self seeks to control its external world through force manipulation and control. 
So imagine if all religion was based on the attempt of that disconnected self, disconnected from God who felt powerless. So it was seeking to control the external world. Just like codependency, you guys, just like an addict. So when I think of all the times I manipulated people in my life to get them to give me what I wanted, because I didn't understand that I had the right, the worth, the power, and the permission to simply ask and receive. I can see the genesis of my own codependency, my own victimhood, and my own addiction. (laughs) I'm wondering who can relate. I would love to hear from you. So let's wrap this all together with my last and final point. And that is the point of this which is my favorite. And I will never forget when I understood this, this lens, when it literally dropped in, I was sitting there and I stared up at the ceiling and I was just saying to myself, like, no way. It was one of those mind blown moments where all the pieces feel like they fit. Have you ever had one of those moments? (laughs) And I immediately burst into laughter as I saw the sheer simplicity of the truth that was revealed and how it had been hidden in plain sight. I was literally laughing with glee (laughs) when I understood this point, this perspective that I'm about to share with you. (laughs) So who's ready to potentially make their brain short circuit? Like, I love the perfection of this life, this world, and God. I love the perfection of all of it. Are you ready? There's no going back from here. (laughs) Once you take this red pill, you cannot untake it. The next lens is oneness. And the truth is that it's all God and it's always been all God, meaning Adam was God, Eve was God, the serpent was God, the apple was God, the garden was God, meaning it's all you and it is all me. There is no divide. There is no separation. There's no separate people. The story of Adam and Eve is the story of you, me, and all of us right now right now in this moment and God knew all along what would unfold because it was exactly what God wanted. God, infinite spirit, infinite intelligence, this great knowing creative mind wanted self-contemplation. God was seeking to know itself and for God to know itself Or for the universal to know the relative, it has to manifest on the relative plane as separate. Just like Thomas Troward so eloquently shared with us in the door lectures on mental science. So if you, if we can begin to recognize the depth of what oneness really means, we can begin to see that there is no wrongdoing or original sin as the dogmatics would have us see it. There was and always is and always will be God seeking to know itself and express itself through you, through me, through all of us, through your relative experiences, through my relative experiences, through our collective relative experiences, through the inverted use of the creative process. The question I ask you today is how deeply will each of you as individuals use the creative power? How much will you invert it before you begin to use it in alignment with your divine self? (laughs) Cain used it to slay his brother. The serpent used it to get Eve to take the fruit, quote unquote. 
And it was all part of a divine unfoldment and a manifestation of free will within the self. Spirit needs the relative experience and the polarity to further develop and express. In other words, it is all God, the light, the dark, the good, the bad, the temptation, and the redemption. Because it's all perfection. It's all one thing. And if a darkness is birthing more light and a bad experience gives birth to something that expands you, then how could we call it bad? If addiction births liberation of the soul on the deepest level, why would we judge it? It's all perfection. You are perfection. The addiction is perfection. The struggle is perfection. The quote unquote mistakes are perfection. The quote unquote blocks are perfection. And the same ways that Adam and Eve had to surely die, quote unquote, to become like God, knowing good and evil, so too must each and every one of you walk your path of polarity and creation so that you too can know thyself as God. And for that to happen, the aspect of you that believes you are separate must surely die. It's all God. And each character in this did exactly what God wanted them to do so God can know itself. So what would this change in your life to really understand this? What would it allow in your life for you to put down once and for all the self-condemnation, the shame, the guilt over the things that you've been perceiving from that same literal and dogmatic lens of that first viewpoint? the dualistic, dogmatic, rigid, black and white thinking. What would it mean if you could begin to soak up the hidden metaphors in the Bible that are showing you all the power of your subconscious mind and that you could begin to trust in how the creative process, the divine mind is unfolding through you as you into form through thought in every moment, perfectly for you. What would it mean if you could begin to set your mind upon the lens of oneness and begin to free yourself from the self-imposed binds of disconnection so that you could ascend into the knowing of your own divinity? What would it mean? And what would you do if you suddenly understood that all the limits, all the things that you believed were not actually the truth, but rather a carefully orchestrated matrix chosen by you so that you could become like God and know thyself as that? (laughs) This is what I believe the Bible offers us. And the forgetting of this truth is what I believe is the genesis of all of our suffering, our addictions, our codependencies, and our traumas. So my message to you today is that you no longer have to suffer your way to truth. You are God made manifest and God is seeking to know itself through you as you. So my friends, my divine badasses, what do you desire to be the genesis of? What do you wish to birth forth into this life as the genesis of your creation story.
I would love to hear from you. Reach out on the socials, email me, lindsaycarcardi at gmail.com, sobriety podcast on Instagram. I am lindsaycarcardi on Instagram. You guys know where to find me. I want to hear from you, your heart and your soul. What is this awakened in you? Because what I know to be true right here, right now, is you are the divine in form. And as always, I thank you, thank you, thank you for being part of this conversation today. I thank you. I see you. I feel you in my heart. I love you. Hey, Divine Badass. Thanks again for tuning in and being here on Detoxing from the Matrix, where we talk all things awakening, ascension, consciousness, and the recovery of self, soul, and spirit from being strung out on the greatest drug of all, the external matrix. If you know someone who would benefit from our illuminating conversations, please don't hesitate to share this podcast with a friend. And if you loved this episode or the podcast as a whole, don't forget to leave a review. It really helps spread the message and expand the collective. Don't hesitate to connect with me over on the socials. You can find me all over the place at I am Lynn's Caricardi. I've really been having a blast over on TikTok with some great content and conversations. You can also find me on IG or in my Facebook community, The Money Matrix Detox. Be sure to check out the links below in the description for all the connections on social media, other ways we can connect, some free gifts and resources that will support your own awakening ascension, as well as ways that we can work together.